Hello, I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about, you know, a heat rock, something combustible. All of those things that sound like fire. Today, we'll be deep diving together into Brandy's 2002 album, Full Moon. You soon as you came bouncing through the door You and your mans and them just took over the floor Started doing your thing and it made me notice you When Brandy's Full Moon first came out, almost 16 years ago, actually a little bit over 16 years ago in March of 2002, the singer-slash-actress was at a crossroads in her career. It had been four years, which is you know practically an eternity in the music biz, since her 1998 multi-platinum smash, Never Say Never, and it was less than a year after the unexpected cancellation of Brandy's hit TV show, Moesha. Shout out to LeMert Park sitcoms. <laughs> in need of a boost of sorts, Brandy, along with her very longtime producer, producer Rodney Jerkins set out to work on Full Moon and don't call it a comeback because it sort of wasn't, at least not at the time. Full Moon did not match the same success uh, in terms of commercially as her first two albums. And at the time, it received mixed reviews at best. But with the passage of time, Full Moon's legacy has become enshrined as one of the most influential R&B LPs since 2000, especially the harmonies and arrangements that Brandy, Jerkins, and the other songwriters cooked up. Our own past guest here in Heat Rocks, B. Slade, has described Full Moon as, quote, creating the R&B Bible for vocal choices, for arrangements. It literally created a template. High praise from B. Slate there. And he credits Brandy on this album for being a beast. To talk about Full Moon, we invited P.J. Morton. Dusty yeah. Springfield's song, Son of a Preacher Man, is about a man who appeals to her senses. P.J. Morton, the actual son of a preacher man, makes songs that appeal to my sensibilities. Shout out to Jane Austen. <laughs> they appeal to my love of 90s R&B, my preference for heavy keyboards, my generational influences. Shout out to Generation X and my churchiness. His songs take me back and remind me of how we were. In fact, it was the song How We Were, the remix, that first brought PJ Morton to my attention. The year was 2006, and Garth Trinidad dropped it into his set, and I was sold. Since 2012, he's been with the band, y'all, providing musicianship for Maroon 5. He's released five or so albums, including the pretty, pretty Grammy-nominated Gumbo, which dropped in the spring of last year and has one of my favorite tracks. It is a thing of beauty called Religion. Don't always make the best decisions mm. Not saying you don't have good intentions So glad to have him join Oliver and I in studio today. PJ Morton, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. This is exciting. 
<laughs> so Brandy, Full Moon. Yeah. What makes this a heat rock to you? Well, I think it just uh, it was a combination of things that we had never heard before, not in my generation. Like uh, the the way uh, Rodney Jerkins was producing these things, the the beat, the way he was on 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 the backbeat and holding back on the playing the keys, the way they were doing that, the way they layered vocals was the first time we really heard this. And also, Brandy was singing the way my friends and I wanted to sing and wanted to hear singing mm. as opposed to pop stars who were popular at the time. They were, you know, they could sing, but like Brandy was singing, like I, like she wasn't holding back and mm. for mm. it to be popular really made me and my, the people around me pay attention. So it was a, it was a combination of a lot of things that I think made it special. Yeah. Morgan, do you want to help put 2002 in a little bit of context in terms of when Brandy's album enters into this moment, what is the state of pop music in that year? That's a good question. Well, let's talk about 2002 and what was big that year. We've got Ashanti's Foolish. We got a uh, truth hurts addictive. My ups, my downs, my high and my lows. From head to toe, he makes me low. He hits the spot, he makes me high. I'm all that he's got, and he's all that I sure you don't have to call. We got uh, Glenn Lewis, Don't You Forget It. Don't you forget it. Trust you'll find your way to love. Hope is what your heart is made of. And don't you forget it. Don't you forget your way home. And that little girl, hold on to your love. And don't you forget it. Amory, why don't we fall? Soul music was moving a little bit more hip-hoppy and up-tempo. Mm-hmm. What surprised me about the timing of this album and, and Brandy making this album is this is a straight-ahead soul album. This is straight R&B. So I think there were some up-tempo cuts here, and we'll get into those specifics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, to me, so different than anything that came out then. This was like waiting to exhale in a record. If you close your eyes, you're like, is this Rodney Jerkins or is this Babyface? It was a little bit of what I came to know as smoothed-out R&B and a little bit of gulliness, too. Yeah. So different than what was going on then. But one chief difference, as you mentioned, was how she sang. And we'll talk a little bit about that, too. I'm wondering, PJ, were you a big Brandy fan going back to her mid-90s uh, yeah. debuts? Yeah, so my sister and I, we, we even when she was on Thea and she sang something, we're like, she can really sing. Yeah. 
we were fans. The first album, I was I was a fan of that album, and Never Say Never was amazing. So we didn't really think she was going to top that, yeah. but that ended up kind of becoming her off the wall before Thriller <laughs> to us. You know, it was like this is that one wow. where it's like, oh man, it, and it was a little more organic, and then it came with these crazy beats, which I felt like Thriller just production value just went crazy. You yeah. know. Uh, I mean, Never Say Never, I mean, for people that didn't grab on the first album, I think Never Say Never, you know, for me, the jam on there wasn't The Boy Is, is Mine, which was a great yeah. song. It was almost doesn't count. Sure. One of the changes, I think, in the first album and the second album, which was so significant, was her voice. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing about Brandy was you couldn't really sing along with Brandy. The first album, to me, she sort of conjured up Whitney Houston, and you couldn't really sing along with Whitney Houston. By the time we got to this album, to me, she sounded like Kim Burrell. You know, there was a change. She had that rasp in her voice. Yeah. And that was a good thing. It was almost like, listen, now I've got this lower register. Now what am I going to do with it? And I think it was hard for fans and listeners to sort of get behind this change in, in, in her voice. But to me, that was the strength of this album, that there were places that she hit vocally that I hadn't really known that she was able to yeah. hit before. Mm-hmm. And sounding like Kim Burrell isn't really a bad thing. No. <laughs> yeah, taking those choices like a Kim Burrell would. I think, you know, for the fans who were fans of, like, Baby and <laughs> stuff like that on her first album, they were disappointed. But for us... um Certain some of the deep cuts even on the first album we heard glimpses of where mm. it could go right. but she was like still trying to figure it out and then never say never she's like I'm gonna do this and also shout out to because that team was formed then yeah. Rodney and, and Shiz LaShawn Daniels started to um, produce those vocals at that point mm. and I think some of those choices she he probably built that confidence in her sure. as, as a crazy vocal arranger and you know what I mean sure and vocal producer and Rodney so that confidence started there I think too and it, it just changed sure you know? yeah. sure describe Brandy as a vocalist man uh, Brandy and on the if, and on, if, you know if, overall or on this album whichever you choose yeah and I know I don't have to use one word but if I had to use one word for Brandy vocally it would be taste you know hmm. it's it's the choices mm. it's the placement that separates her she you know there are singers that can do the things that she does but it's the it's it's the mind to say oh man I'm gonna just sit right here in this chorus mm. I'm gonna just do this right here in this in this verse I'm not gonna run a lot right here I'm gonna just do you know so it would be taste and I think Brandy well of course as a as a woman her raspiness and her bottom um I don't a lot of people can't get down there right. in the basement with her you know yeah so I think that is a key thing that that describes Brandy's voice but then she can also get up there you know and, and then of course just you know the back the backgrounds I mean you can't really 
you can't really talk about Brandy without talking about her background vocals. You know, you can't just talk about her lead vocals. But as a background singer and the and the harmonies, the harmony choices where you would just say, oh, it's these three notes that I know already. They make different choices that way as well, you know. But there's a great clip of India Ari, mm-hmm. and she's doing a tribute. She's singing to Brandy, mm-hmm. and Brandy is there. Yeah. And before she starts the song, she says, come on. She's like, you know a Brandy run. Brandy's, she was like, we were all trying to do this. I don't think that you really understand how influential you are to sing. And to me, Indy Ari, one of the baddest voices in the game. Yeah, gave me my first shot. I mean, and a legit bottom. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of bottoms I respect. That bottom, Layla Hathaway, in that lower register is, is it's fierce, only a few. right? Yeah, it's only a few. And for her to say that and say we all tried to hit those runs, we all wanted to sing like that. Was it was a great compliment from one just beast of a vocalist, yeah. uh, to to another. And so I hope this what this episode will do will have people go back and listen to this album and gain a brand new respect for one of the baddest voices to me in the game, which is Brandy Norwood. Yeah. And was it, it was it was a derivative of Kim Burrell and Clark, yeah. Karen Clark and stuff, but. It's true. She created runs that nobody ever did before. They nobody. Were, they were brandy runs. And I think mm. that's probably the hardest thing to do in this business at all is to yeah. create something that is that wasn't before, you know. And you have derivatives that are like them. These were just strictly her her choices, you know, and her runs that she made and that we all tried to do. It's true. Listen, I can't sing. Yeah. and uh, But these albums, uh, you know, certainly her first album made me wish I could. Yeah. By the time we got to hear my hopes were completely dashed. <laughs> um, there's, you know, Confession is Good for the Soul, and you just can't keep up with her. But what I like about her, even even coming from churches, there's a place where runs become predictable. You know they're going to go go to a certain place. Yeah. With Brandy, you, nev- you never knew. Yeah. And, and it's worth it for those listening to this to go back to the first album and, and and hear songs like Broken Hearted and Best Friend if you want to know what we're talking about. Broken you, Hearted. You know what I'm talking about. Broken Hearted is a vocal clinic. We'll be back with more of our conversation with P.J. Morton about Brandy's full moon after this brief word from some of her other Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. What's Ben Affleck and or Drake up to? What show should I be watching right now? Should The Rock run for president? How about Oprah? What's a great French film about lady cannibals? Who's stronger, Luke Cage or Iron Fist? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable discussion that always has a fun, diverse panel talking about the stuff we love. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcast. I'm not going to judge. My name is Keith, and I love C-Ross. My name is Lisa, and I love The Greatest Discovery. C-Ross is an intimate experience. 
it makes an album that we all know well new again. I think Star Trek Discovery is a great show, but even more so, I love Ben and Adam's Star Trek commentary. We need more goodness in the world, and Max Fun provides just a lot of goodness, and I'm very happy with it. It's a show that my husband and I can enjoy together, and laughing on a regularly scheduled basis has improved our marriage. These are listeners just like you, and they support Heat Rocks and The Greatest Discovery with a Max Fund membership. The 2018 Max Fund Drive is April 2nd through 13th, and if you want to support your favorite shows too, it's the best time to sign up or upgrade your membership. Just tune in starting April 2nd, and we'll give you all of the details. I want to thank you, Keith, and thanks to all the Heat Rocks listeners who support the show with a Max Fund membership. Tune in for the Max Fund Drive April 2nd through 13th and become a member all for yourself. We're back on Heat Rocks with PJ Morton talking about Brandy's 2002 album, Full Moon. PJ, I'm wondering, you know, a lot of us, when we talk about our Heat Rocks, are they're albums that mark passages in our own life. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. going back to 2002, when you first heard this album, and, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we hadn't heard from Brandy in a minute in terms of a full-length album because she had taken this bit of a hiatus. Where were you in 02, and how did this album enter into wherever you were in your life at that point? Yeah, so I was uh, I was in Atlanta, mm. um, almost in my last year at Morehouse. Shout so out. I was a songwriter. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a Clark. So oh, shout dope. Out to AUC. All right. So before that, I guess you know. So so D'Angelo came out with with um, Voodoo. Mm-hmm. I guess right. It was a couple right years before. Yeah. 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 So I, I was influenced by those soul things. So yeah. D'Angelo is somebody that I re- related to. But before D'Angelo. Um, and that whole neo soul movement, I just could lean on older things that my mom, the Beatles and Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway is really that that's that's where I felt like a part. You know, that's why I felt like they had the same sensibilities as me and mainstream pop music or popular music in general, R&B music even. I didn't really feel like I could relate to a bunch of things. Mm. So when that record came out, I I didn't intend to be an artist or anything at all. I was just a pure producer at that point. Mm-hmm. So the production of it is really what affected. I'm like, oh, these are my people. Like my people are cutting through, you know. <laughs> and, and I felt like a part of something. Yeah. Let's get into that. What was it in the production that really jumped out to you? When I say production, I mean the the the, the beats in general, yeah. but also the vocal production. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um so so on the vocal production side, it was those harmonies and that placement that I was like, man, this is what I want to hear. This is like the thing I want to hear. On the production side, Rodney was really big on the um the loops of 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 harps and things like that, and I think we hadn't really heard that, but this was the first time besides like break beats like old school hip hop where you heard like behind the beat like when he was playing the bass on top of the those hard beats yeah. on the up-tempo stuff mm-hmm. he was laying back so far mm. and then the wah, 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 all that stuff was right. like way back you know I think that's the first time we heard like hard drums like that. 
with that type of thing. And then on ballads and stuff, they were playing roads. Like it was super soulful, mm. but it was it was very current at the same time. Because when you talk about D'Angelo playing roads, or even a Glenn Lewis that came out at that time, it still was kind of throwback. You know, sure. this was using it in a right now type of sense. <laughs> And that behind the beat thing that you talk about on those drums was so strong on one of my favorite cuts on the album, which is What About Us? Yes. You feel like you're... It's like pulls you. It's like... And you feel like you're behind the beat. You're on the beat, but you feel like you're behind the beat. That was their genius on that production, I think. You know, we, we hadn't really, I don't remember hearing anything like that. It like almost made my head explode. You know? But if I can say, because I'll be straight up, I did not listen to probably anything from Full Moon when it came out. Because in 02, yeah. Brandy was not on my list of people I was checking for, no disrespect. Sure. When I was listening to this album for really the first time, what jumped out to me about some of the songs, not the entire album, but some of the songs, it reminded me a lot of the stuff that Timbaland had been doing for Aaliyah. I mean, sure. just the sound sure. effects. and. Sure. But, I mean, that would have started to crop up five years earlier than this. And so, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, if you had told me this album came out in 2002, I might have been, wait, wait, like, word, like, this isn't from the late 90s. But part of it is, I don't know how to temporalize where R&B production was in that particular era. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And you could speak to that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, t- Tim and Missy, they definitely changed the game with a lot of different things. This was a little more soulful, mm-hmm. you know, than... it. it in a different way. I think it was like the modern version of soul where Mm, maybe mm. Tim was the modern version of, you know, R&B or something like that, you know, but Mm -hmm. those Aaliyah, those beats when he did One in a Million and all that stuff. All of those patterns, yeah, yeah, that changed the game. But Rodney wasn't doing that. He right. wasn't doing those same drums that Tim was. He was going straight forward. But it's just the it was the feel in it as opposed to actually technically what was happening. Yeah, one of the chief differences I think between sort of Aaliyah and that stuff is is I think they had to do, they had to rap. Not that she couldn't sing. I think Aaliyah had a beautiful voice, but she had a softer voice, mm-hmm. and so the beats were sort of a compliment. Where sure. I think in this situation. You got a hell of an instrument, which, you know, but you bring something to it. So in songs like He Is, for example. Yeah, one of my favorites. That sounded like to me, that's praise and worship. It's the only explanation to the question at hand. Like years of pain gone away in a single day. There's nothing that compares to the way you make me feel inside. Warren Campbell's one of my mentors, but... 
he said that was absolutely 100% his intention was to make an R&B worship song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to get Brandy to sing a worship song, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like. And we were, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid, you know. We grew up growing up feeling that we didn't hear that in mainstream music so we were like what like this is our dream come true thing is by especially by O2 and I think this really begins before that you know Brandy might have had her roots in the church but I think how people primarily saw her at least in the larger pop culture is singer slash actress sure. because of the success of Moesha which I think was on for about six seasons mm-hmm. and I'm wondering to what extent that sort of shaped our public perception of Brandy and the ways in which Full Moon as the album that comes out after her shows ended perhaps remade what we thought of her because a lot of singers and and performers who go into Hollywood, whether in television or movies, it's often assumed that they're leaving their singing career behind and somehow it diminishes. I mean, they they become big in another area, but somehow, again, their singing or or musical career takes a back seat to that. And Brandy is someone who comes back into music, I mean, full force, no pun intended, with Full Moon. Yeah, how did how do you think this album reshaped our what we thought of Brandy given the long association with being more of a television star by the mid by the turn of the century, if you will? Yeah. Well, I guess my 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 perception may have been a little different because of grown kind of growing up with her. I would probably she's probably just a, a little few years older than me. Yeah. So I was growing up with her. So I saw Thea and they gave her a chance to sing and mm. I I saw, you know, the the first album and the, and those songs on there. And and never say never. We feel, uh, now right. then I'm I'm growing up with her, so I'm seeing her musically. For me, yeah, Brandy might be the first album, first CD I ever went in Circuit City and oh. and bought. Maybe you know, like yeah. first current thing right. that I because I used I used to buy these Stevie Wonder CDs before that, mm-hmm. but this was like the first you, like, person yeah. my age right, that right. I was buying music, yeah. and so I never while it, that was great. Yeah, the bit the acting in Moesha, and I watched Moesha because I was a Brandy fan. Yeah, but I never thought more actress than singer. Mm-hmm. It never really hit me that way. But it was because of how I discovered her right. and grew up with yeah. her. Yeah, I think the 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 significance about her being an actress is we saw her on shows as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to Full Moon, we are also dealing with a full woman who has by this time gotten married and is about to have a baby. And I think the change in the voice made us see her as sort of older. Though I think you know, it's notable that this album, I think for other people of her age when she recorded this, it might have been even more adult. And this is I would say more of a PG-13. I mean, we're talking about like this, and sure. that's about, you know, touch my body like this. So mm-hmm. it's not as if she's not referencing sex, but sure. this album is more sexy than sexual, if that makes any sense. Right, mm-hmm. right. I don't know how old she was then, but probably her mom was like, no, you're not going to be able to say all that on the <laughs> Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you better tone it down. I don't know how easy this would be to describe succinctly, but mm-hmm. going back to B. Slade's idea that this was a kind of an R&B Bible moment and created a new template. So what was going on in Full Moon, especially in terms of the vocals and the arrangement? that you wouldn't have heard in R&B albums previous to this? Like, what was the innovation, if you will? Mm-hmm. For, so aside from just her yeah. and the choices she was making yeah. as a lead vocalist, because um, that was a big one. She was really singing and the way she, the choices and the runs she was cho- choosing to do, that was a big one. But I guess, like, when, when you talk about When You Touch Me, mm-hmm. I, I think it was the layering 
mm-hmm. like how big how big it got, how big those backgrounds were, and also the way it was tuned and perfect, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jackson did that, but she they took it to another level. With J- Michael Jackson didn't have auto tune and stuff like that yeah. to make it feel kind of you know like extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just natural. You know, you felt like it was different and perfect in that way. Um, so I think that was one thing we hadn't heard. I hadn't heard those many layers of vocals. And the choices they took, like the the way she would come in uh, with those layers mid-verse and stuff like that and go out. Those type of choices, I think, was the mm-hmm. first time I really noticed mm-hmm. noticed that. What song on this album is the best, you know, sort of uh, example of great layering? Uh, when you, you touch me, I want you so. I think yeah, when you touch me, I th- yeah. is the name of it. Yeah, yeah. but that that one, um, and like I said, I heard an early version of it without all the drums and stuff. So I know how much is going on in there, and that's what's cool when you're really good at it. You don't really notice. It doesn't take. It doesn't distract you. You know, um, because it's 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 more felt than heard. But when you listen as many times as we did, then you start to hear every little thing, you know. What's your favorite track on this album? What's the fire track? Man, I have to at least at least let me pick a up tempo and a and a <laughs> Okay, listen, uh, no rules here. Whatever uh, pick two. So I say what about us as oh the up? Oh my god, yeah. Just the crazy crunk, 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 all the crazy little uh kitchen sink things he has going on sure. in there. Long time. Uh, rock. Why don't you return my calls? Why you trip out where I be? You don't ever come to see me. You say that you're too busy. What the hell I And um I got to go with when you touch me as as my as my ballad. Yeah. Let me bring in ballads because uh one shocker for me mm-hmm. was uh the choice to remake PM Dawn. Sure. Die without you. Now, listen, I love PM Dawn and I love that jam. I liked what Brandy and Ray J did with it. Me it made too. it completely different. Yeah. I hope my brother's not listening to this because <laughs> he's a PM Don devotee. And he's like, get out of here. Right. But they did something really different. They made it less ethereal and more soulful. We yeah. talk a lot on this show about covers and remakes. If you, Should it be done? Is it a sacrilege? But I think uh, Die Without You was 1995. So we weren't that far away where you'd be like, why did you remake a classic by that time? Right. I was only seven years old. Right. <laughs> um, and But I think it was a really great, it was the first time I'd heard Ray J sing, and I was like, okay, this is a family thing. Mm-hmm. But also, too, it made it really, really um, soulful. Yeah, it made it a, yeah, I, I think the PM Dawn version was a, was an experience. Anything that I would not do Since I die without you 
this was more like straight up singing singing it you know and made it a song i think both of those versions were great in in what they were trying to accomplish I think they were both trying to accomplish different things and I think probably I always related to Brandy and Ray J because me and my sister both sang and we were so we grew up with them as well I was the younger brother she's the older sister same thing right but what they probably did was heard the soul in that PM Dawn version Mm. And probably had sang it for years, and it finally was like, "Yo, we should just do that. Yeah. The way we do it, the right. way we have been singing it and made our version." Because me and my sister would do that all the time. You know, I just want to say it's refreshing to have a conversation with Ray J comes up and not in the Kim K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except I just I just ruined it. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it had to come up somehow. <laughs> so, if those are your fire tracks, right? You pick one up tempo, one ballad. Mm-hmm. What to you is the sleeper jam on here? The song that you think uh, people don't talk enough about but really ought to I'd say he is you know Um, it it didn't go to radio or anything like that but the people that I know that love this record and really listen to it Mm -hmm. he is is the sleeper is like I know you I know the ones that were in your face but you go listen to he is and it's also later in the record You got one? It's not worth it. If I wanted to walk away, if I wanted to think about it. It came into my life, and it's so funny how you made everything right. And now you're saying to me, something ain't right. What did I do? It's Not Worth It is such a journey of a song. I like it because it's. It's very time period. Like, there's a lot of this album where it sounds like Brandy's leaving a message on someone's voicemail. This is not your overtly vulnerable album. This ain't my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary J. Blige, and shout out to Mary J. Blige. But this is also Brandy being vulnerable. And what I like about that song is it sounds like music of the time. Mm. And she's talking about a relationship that isn't worth it. Mm. And this is what I miss about R&B of that time is that, you know, people don't talk on the telephone anymore. So you're not going to get those interludes where people are leaving messages on. (laughs) Bring that back. Back. Bring yeah. voicemail interludes back. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so key to the game, you know. Right. Be, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, for sure. All you hear right now is some computer keys. Or That's like that. it. Leaving a message, uh, leaving a comment on you. But on that your was page. critical, babe. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's what 90s R&B was about. Yeah. And um, it let Brandy take her time. And when Brandy takes her time, you are in trouble in the best way because when she has time to stretch out a song, she's going to stretch you all the way out. So that's mine. And I also think The Sleeper is Full Moon because mm-hmm. I think people sort of skipped over that track. It was the single release, but I think that one is fire for the, yeah. for the reasons that PJ was mentioning, that production, the way yeah. she starts out that boy. I think Full Moon was one that even for me, it 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 took a while to grow on me, yeah. but then I grew to like really love it. But I was I was always skipped to that because that beat started on that next song. And it was like, I, you know, so I'm like, Full Moon, hold on. I'll come back to you. <laughs> Let me get to it. Yeah. Full Moon is a sleeper. Yeah. songs on here or a song that you would like to take on as a producer 
Or or as a vocalist, because you've got a beautiful voice. Yeah, well, I think as a vocalist, you know, like this is is in my world. I think I could do something cool with that, and it's it's naturally what I do. It's it's simple, and it's a whirly, you know, it's a whirlitzer on there, and it's like I could feel like I could do some, have some fun with that one. I have to say, and this really just shows my my particular musical proclivities, which, uh, you know, Like This is my favorite song off of this album. Mm-hmm. And I think it really just is partly about um, how it opens, where it does that dun, 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 dun. Hey. It's very hip-hop. And yeah, that, I mean, I mean, look, anyone who knows me, that's no, where my taste is. And I was playing it in, in the car, and my wife was about the same age as me. Uh, you know, she grew she was more of a 90s kid in that sense. You know, for her, she was like, this sounds a lot like SWV. And number one, I think Brandy's voice probably a little bit, no no shot, no shots at the women in SWV. Sure. I think Brandy's probably vocally a little bit better than that. But it does have that kind of mid-late 90s, neo-soul-esque meets hip-hop style to yeah. it, which is what I could gravitate to. Yeah, so. but there, there's no Brandy without Coco in SWV. True. You know sure. No, no, so no it was It was a... It was a, a take on Absolutely. it where she took it somewhere else. But yeah. Coco, before we had Brandy, we had Coco. We had Coco. Like, Yo. Who you know, was a church singer, you know, right. same type of thing. But right, right. I feel you. I feel you on that. How do you think this album has aged? It's been, as I mentioned earlier, about 16 years since it first dropped. 16 years can be a very long period of time. It can be not that long, depending on your perspective. But mm-hmm. when you listen to Full Moon in 2018, is this an album that you think still... Is it uh, Morgan, you put it best. Is it behind the times, of its time, or ahead of its time? Yeah, sure. Is it, it Was it uh, before its time, uh, right on time, or timeless? There we go. I, I think... I think, you know, I think when you talk about production and beats, right, of the time, drums of the drums is what ages a record. Right. Mm. Interesting. Oh, um, huh. you, but but keys don't age. So st- stuff like like this is timeless because you'll never it'll never not be a kick snare, a keyboard right, right. and bass. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that record is timeless. I think the vocals on this album are timeless and they hold up. Some of the production has aged itself because of using the drums of the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but I think if you redid this whole record song for song and used the drums of today, it, it, it is timeless and it, it holds up. If you had to describe Full Moon using three words and three words only, what would it be? It would be fresh mm. it would be inspiring mm. and it would be soulful mm. so we have concluded this beautiful beautiful conversation with PJ Morton one of my faves in the game about uh, Brandy's great great 2002 album Full Moon how do people catch up with you and what are you working on now I am all over this internet of ours, PJ Morton, at PJ Morton on Twitter, on Instagram, 
think it's the PJ Morton on uh, Facebook. And my website is pjmortonmusic.com. I am about to get on tour. I just released mm-hmm. the live version of my album oh. that was just nominated for two Grammys. Yeah. Congrats. We just did Thank You So yeah. Much. We just did Gumbo Unplugged. One take all the way through mm. with a 15-piece string orchestra and my band. It, it was so much fun. And um, it's getting a lot of love right now. So we're going to get on the road and go promote it. As it should. Um, it's a be- beautiful album. Yeah. And Maroon 5 is about to get on the road in June. So just playing double duty, keeping busy out here. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wang, and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crowned Ones by Thess Ichi of People Under the Stairs. Heat Rocks is produced by myself, Morgan, Shana Deloria, and Kara Hart. And today's show was engineered and edited by Kara. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood where you can catch a full moon of downtown Los Angeles. See what I did there? Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Heat Rocks Pod. You can find a link to our Facebook group on our webpage, HeatRocksPod.com. That's where we'll post show notes for every episode, including a track listing of everything you've heard today and more goodies. Again, that's at HeatRocksPod.com. Good to see you, Oliver. Good to see you too, Morgan. And before you go, here's a teaser from next week's episode. Brother Ali, I'm wondering if there was a song off this album that you would like to see a contemporary artist tackle that you think could even begin to approach capturing something of it or at least putting a spin on it that would be interesting, what song would it be and who would you want to see tackle it? Good question. Well, I'm a huge fan of Jay-Z. Mm. You know, as an underground rapper, it's not, you're not, he's not supposed to be your favorite, but he is. And it's, he has a lot in common with Stevie. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.